Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. Hope you're having a great day out there. Uh, you know, November's here. It's finally the right time of year, right? Living in Southern California, I think the late fall is the best weather we have out here. So I'm kind of happy about that. And I want to make sure you're spending it all in the right place. So, folks, I want you to take a look. November 19th. November 19th is coming up here. We have an opportunity to get involved in a very special program. This is called Be Part of the Solution for Transforming America. It's a political and cultural transformation boot camp. Okay? This is for the well this is for all the marbles in 2020. We need to get involved in this. This is going to be November 19th at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills. Now, I've had Jack Hibbs, the pastor at Calvary Chapel on the show before. Great guy. Strong Second Amendment guy, just a great patriot all the way around and it's going to be at his church there. Calvary Chapel Chino Hills. Tickets are at Eventbrite. Tuesday, November 19th, 10 to 4 p.m. They have a hundred different topics they're going to be covering. It's absolutely amazing what these guys have got going on here. So let me just pull it up for you real quick. Uh, adva- this is going to be free advanced marketing boot camp to help train pastors, organizational leaders, candidates, campaign managers, and activists. Instead of focusing on business, this emphasis is going to be on how to better communicate, mobilize, and engage our culture and politics. The entire agenda is a hundred different topics, like I just said. Um, why the left wins and we don't. The vision, the message, the strategy, tactics. I'm just skipping around here. You know, how, how Trump won against all odds, you know, branding and positioning, the left, uh, how we're indivisible, strategy and tactics, mobilizing the church and pastors, which I think is extremely important. Anyway, check this out. It's going to be on Eventbrite. You can find it on uh, Reality Alert and Election Forum is what it's called, Transforming America Boot Camp. Eventbrite, November 19th, 10 to 4. You're going to want to be there because you're going to want to help save America. Because if we have to save America without you, we might not bring you along. So do your part, get involved, and let's let's save, let's save California first. But <laughs> God, I wish that wasn't funny. Um, let's save California first. Uh, it's Don Quixoteville. We have got our lances out. Our old horse is, is grinding uphill. We're tilting at the windmills, but we're not giving up. That's the way it is. Folks, joining me on this show. Actually, he was joining me. He might have hung up by now after hearing all that. But I have Matthew Cubiero. Cubiero, he is with Michelle and Associates, the uh, NRA's lawyers, and actually just great Second Amendment lawyers. They uh handle the CRPA, California Rifle and Pistol Association, and many others, and are very, very involved in all the lawsuits we have to try and regain the rights that our government keeps trying to take from us. Matthew, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you for having me, Philip. Oh, it's good. You, to be here. you didn't hang up. I was afraid. <laughs> no, nope, still here. <laughs> awesome. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself here, Matthew. How did you get well, into this strange area of law? 
Well, that's an that's an interesting story, actually. I was on uh, my honeymoon with my wife, and um, that was back in 2012, in 2013, excuse me. And um, when I was there, um, we I got news of a decision from the Ninth Circuit that the Ninth Circuit had declared that uh, concealed carry, uh, at least the good cause requirement, as applied to the uh, San Diego County Sheriff's CCW issuance policies, was... Uh, unconstitutional. And that case, of course, is uh, Peru to be San Diego. And so I got news of that. And I had just finished law school. I had just become an attorney. And uh, so after hearing about that case, I heard about Chuck Michelle's office. And I sent Chuck a letter saying, hey, this is all very interested to me and interesting. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to uh, to see if it's something that I, I, you know, I'd want to do as a career. And Sent him a letter, and sure enough, in the next couple of weeks, I uh, got a call saying, you know, come in for an interview, and I've been working here ever since. And so I've been working as an attorney since I started uh, in firearm law, at least in that in that field field of uh, field of law, which is a very small, tight knit community in California, as I'm sure you're aware. But uh, right. um, it's uh, it's been a, it's been an experience. It's been it's been wonderful. I mean, everyone that I I work with is fantastic. All the people that I meet are, are, are wonderful people, and I get to do what I love on top of it all. So, so, so this was actually the life-changing moment, right? You yeah. graduated high school, went to college, went to law school, graduated law school, passed the bar, got married, and here you are on your honeymoon. You realize, I need a job. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. I, I was in the process of applying to become a district attorney. I, I had originally focused on on criminal law and I don't most people don't aren't aware of this but the process to become a district attorney in California is like a year plus long process and so I was in sort of in the middle of that process but then I saw this decision come out and and that's uh and that's when I sent in a letter to to Chuck and that's I was like oh this this is much more interesting so <laughs> now, I'll do this instead so now how many times has your firm argued in the Supreme Court I mean, do you guys have like so, a little checker on the wall there? Like, you know, we've saved Safari Land has we've saved twenty three hundred lives. Every time somebody saves a life, they mark something on the wall. You're like, every time we win at Supreme Court, you have another check mark on the wall there, right? Yeah, we we uh, so interestingly enough, we don't actually, at least none of the attorneys in our office um, have made oral arguments in front of the Supreme Court, but we do file briefs. Uh, quite a lot, especially amicus briefs in cases that are pending before the Supreme Court. We filed petitions in, in some of our cases asking the Supreme Court to uh, to hear our cases. But th- we actually work with, obviously, the National Rifle Association and the California Rifle and Pistol Association, um, and they have um, sort of specialists that are um, very, very, very good at arguing in front of the Supreme Court. One of them in particular, his name's Paul Clement, I believe he will be arguing the New York case that is coming up here uh, in December in front of the Supreme Court. So, uh, but no, I, yeah, I can't, I can't tell you how many, how many briefs we filed uh, in front of the Supreme Court, but it's, it has been quite a few since I've been working here. So. Now, you said the term amicus. Now, those of us yep. who are, didn't go to law school, uh, <laughs> tell us what that means. So, in a, in a typical case, you have parties to the lawsuit. You have the usually it's in, in, in a civil context, it's the plaintiff and the defendant. Um, what an, an amicus brief is, um, it, it, it's Latin for friend of the court. And essentially, when the uh, Supreme Court was first created back uh, following the, the uh, Constitutional Convention and, and 
uh, established, um, oftentimes you'd have issues of law or questions that would come up uh, in the court that no one really knew anything about. And literally, you'd have one guy sitting in the audience saying, you know, I, I can answer that question or I can, I, can, uh, I, can, I can help on that issue. And he'd literally just stand up and sort of raise his hand. At least that's my understanding of how, how it worked uh, originally. And so that sort of morphed over time into a more formal process where individuals or groups or entities that have an interest in a case can submit a brief called an amicus brief that will sort of help the court understand additional issues of law or, or, or points, of, uh, points of consideration um, that aren't necessarily being addressed or covered directly by the parties themselves. And okay. so that's, that's essentially what an amicus brief is. Okay. Next so question. The case, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, finish, finish, please. Sorry. Well, so, so in, in the case of a lot of our, our firearm cases, for example, you'll have, in the, for example, the, uh, the New York case that is coming up here uh, in December, you have the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus the city of New York. The New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, of course, is arguing from its perspective. And then you'll have groups like the NRA and other pro-Second Amendment advocacy organizations that are filing amicus briefs from their points of view that will help the court understand the issue. Further. And what is this particular what's – what's the basis on this suit? So in the New York case, what's, what's going on is you have a – a city law or, or, or ordinance, I'm not sure uh, how they describe it in, in New York, but essentially um, there is a prohibition on residents who are in lawful possession of a firearm from transporting their firearm anywhere within the city or even outside of the city with the exception of, I think there's like five or six shooting ranges and like only a few of them are even open to the public. And so what, it, what this law had in practice, what it did was it, it prohibited individuals from doing things like even transporting their guns outside of city limits to property that they own elsewhere. And so the, the, yeah. the issue here is it's like, well, that's something that clearly runs afoul of the Second Amendment. And so the, the city, having defended its law for years in the courts, all of a sudden the Supreme Court now takes interest in it. Interesting. Uh, and and the city's like, okay, we'll we'll change it now. We'll we'll try and fix it. And, and so they they've my understanding, since the since the Supreme Court has taken the case, the city of New York has since amended its law and is now trying to argue that the case is moot because they're afraid of getting a decision from the Supreme Court that completely uh, will rejects have, them. Yeah. Well, not only completely reject them, but have wide ranging implications for other issues, including here in California that could potentially have that same effect where it now calls into question all of California firearm laws. And right. so for that reason, it's it's a, it's a very important case. That would probably be the Southern District of New York, the, the most famous one out there that's uh, bothering everybody these days. Folks, Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. Welcome back to Boomstick Radio. And you know, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, the conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been the Firing Line Radio Show's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres, of Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammos in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, well... 
Shame on you. Head on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. And after you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course. One that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. Now, for more information about the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because of Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Folks, also remember November 19th at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, Transforming America. You want to be a part of the solution to Transform America, attend the Political and Cultural Transformation Boot Camp. All right. You, you get tickets at Eventbrite, but it's 10 to 4 p.m. Tuesday, December 19th, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Seating is limited. Reserve your place at 310-212-5727. Ask for Todd. Now, this is not a paid commercial here, but I believe in this. So I want you guys to get involved because we have got to win. We have to win at the ballot box, man, because everything else is way too expensive in blood and treasure. Folks, joining me back, I have Matthew Cubiero. Matthew Cubiero is an attorney with Michelle and Associates. They are the premier Second Amendment firearms attorneys in the country. They're based here in Long Beach, but in the country. These guys are involved in all kinds of stuff nationwide. We just talked about a, a ridiculous case in New York, but Matthew, are there any ridiculous things in California we might be facing this year? Here's your softball. Well, that's, <laughs> that's that's a uh, that's an understatement to say the least. And so, um, you know, we we talked about the New York case. There are actually quite a number of lawsuits that we have pending, uh, challenging various aspects of California firearm laws, including its restrictions on concealed and open carry, uh, California's assault weapon restrictions, the ammunition sales restrictions, which were recently put into full for- force and effect this year. Um, and, and of course, uh, things like California's magazine restrictions. Um, and so we, we've been uh, heavily involved in uh, litigation on various aspects of California firearm laws. A lot of those cases now that we're seeing uh, are actually uh, stayed pending a resolution of that New York case. And so um, we're, we're sort of all sort of holding our, our, our fingers crossed with bated breath, waiting for what the Supreme Court's going to do. Uh, in, in their uh, in the, in the New York case, which will have, like I said, drastic impacts uh, here in California, on the cases that we sort of strategically positioned in anticipation of the Supreme Court issuing a decision on a, on a Second Amendment lawsuit, and so it's 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 a very interesting time in California as far as uh, litigation is concerned, because if if we get a a, a favorable ruling to any extent, it puts everything in California on the table again as far as what we can potentially uh, challenge or, or file lawsuits on. Um, but, you know, that being said, we've already had some very successful uh, cases uh, recently, um, several of which have come out of the uh, the San Diego Federal District Court. I'm sure most of your, your viewers and, and you are aware, the big, big ones being the, um, uh, the, the magazine challenge, which back in March of this year resulted in a brief period what has been commonly become known as Freedom Week uh, in the state of California, where potentially millions of magazines, standard capacity magazines, were lawfully purchased uh, by California residents after, th- after you know, 19 plus years of restrictions. That have so been let, me, let me point something out on that. I, I think that people need to make the point of 
there was such a demand once they became legal, right? Such yep. a demand that it sucked the entire national supply dry. Yep. Millions were sold in California. Now, what this points to is that the vast majority, 90, vast, all of my listeners, the vast majority of all firearm owners, registered owners in California are absolutely number one law abiding citizens. They could Absolutely. have, they could have gone to Arizona and bought whatever they wanted and smuggled it in just like people smuggle stuff from Mexico. Right. But they don't do that because it's inherent in our nature as conservatives and as, as people who abide by the rules, not to break those laws. We self regulate ourselves. And all of a sudden, if it's now legal and I don't know, 30, 50 million magazines are sold or a uh, hundred, hundred clips as uh, Joe Biden likes to call them. Uh, all of a sudden those are sold in one week. That shows that there was pent up demand because we, as gun owners in California, are the law-abiding citizens. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that goes to show, number one, I think since that law uh, was struck down and we had all of those magazines uh, lawfully purchased by California residents, what you have not seen is is the common blood-on-the-streets argument that anti-gun uh, individuals make. I mean, it's something that these magazines are being used for lawful purposes by law-abiding citizens here in the state of California. And even then, it goes to show just how large of a population here in California is when it comes to uh, owning firearms, when you have the entire nation's supply of magazines being purchased by California residents. If only they'd uh, show up and vote. Exactly. And it's, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's frustrating, considering that California, I think, sort of leads the nation in terms of firearm sales in, in actual physical number of gun owners, but we, we can't seem to uh, change the politics of this state because either they, they just don't care or they just won't vote. I think it's a little bit of both. And what I hear a lot is short-timer syndrome. I don't care. I'm moving to Arizona. Uh, you better yep. take another look at Arizona, right? They have two yeah. liberal senators. <laughs> they, they, you know, Janet Napolitano was a governor over there, right? They are wackadoodle already. They got rid of Joe, Joe, Joe Arapaio. Okay, I would have loved to have him be my county sheriff. They got rid of him. Um, they're trying to make Tucson a sanctuary city. They're doing all the dumb things we've done over here. And so people who are saying, well, we'll just move out of state. If you don't kill the virus here, it will infect the rest of the country. Yep. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a saying in the – I've spoken with some people in uh, Arizona and Nevada. They call it the sandbag state because they're trying to keep California – politics from making their way over into Arizona and that's unfortunately lately it seems to be a losing battle but we're you know we're, we're doing everything that we can so all right so let's talk about the Supreme Court uh, we've got nine people over there well eight and a half we don't know about Ginsburg <laughs> so I wish she, she won't she won't retire even though her health is so miserable because she doesn't want to give an appointment to Trump but you know right she, she's effectively ineffectual um, and it would be very, very nice if she did retire either way. Um, typically what we're told is we have a five, four split pro gun at this point, but that's not always true. I mean, we got people like Roberts, he kind of, and Gorsuch, they kind of flip, a, even Kavanaugh, they kind of bounce around on their sides. Right. I mean, what do you think is a, a good, solid second amendment support on the, the night, uh, on the Supreme court? 
Well, so here's here's the way I see it, and this is of course speculation, but so this kind of goes into uh, the the way the Supreme Court operates in general is that um, in any decision that comes from the Supreme Court, in order for it to be a binding decision, it has to be a minimum of five justices that agree of the nine. So it has to be in the majority opinion, essentially. Um, anything less than that, obviously, it's it's not something that would carry precedential value per se. Um, and, and will be binding on lower courts. But as, that's as far as an actual decision is concerned. And when, you, when you're talking about whether or not the Supreme Court even takes a lawsuit or even takes up a case, um, the procedures are a little bit different in that you only need four justices to agree to hear a case. And, and so it's not a majority requirement. Um, and, of course, the Supreme Court itself generally takes less than 1% of the cases that are petitioned to it. Uh, and so that there's there's hundreds and hundreds of cases that are not taken by the Supreme Court every year that should be. Uh, but essentially what I think happens is that you will get four justices that are very much uh, in support of, let's say, the Second Amendment. There's no question that they would vote, um, you know, or at least there, there's very uh, – it's unlikely based on, on off of their prior record, I should say, that they would – uh, do anything to undermine the Second Amendment, but they might not be sure about the one other guy, or there might be other issues that uh, could potentially come into play that they're not sure how it would affect others, other votes on the Supreme Court per se. And so sometimes what will happen is the Supreme Court will decide purposely not to take a case because they're not sure or at least the, the, they don't want a final decision that could right, be exactly. wrong. Okay. So we're going to pick that up uh, because we had a huge uh, reject from the Supreme Court this this uh, particular week with the Remington case. We'll talk about that when we come back. Philip Naming, FiringLine Radio, FiringLineRadio.com. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. We just had a little colorful off-air conversation here with my engineer, Dan. And I got to tell you, just as a public service announcement, this is a public service announcement. If you are on the freeway and somebody is passing you on your right-hand side, you're in the wrong dang lane. Move over. Do not let them stack up behind you because we got to get someplace. I don't care if you're driving a Subaru and you're all happy and you're like, oh, this is life is great. Whatever. Subaru, Prius, move to the right. We have places to go. Right, Dan? 
You've never driven a Subaru. That's right. It's a great car. Good. And it goes way over it's, what you think it does. It's a great car. Move it to the right, okay? Go over there with the Yugos and the trucks. Move to the right. We have to get places. <laughs> All right. I'll uh, take my Subaru any day over your, your pickup truck. Take it. Just take it to the right. Get out of the way. People are with things to do uh, or in this lane. Uh, Moving on. I'm not going right. to argue. I just know. Well, speaking about arguing, we just were talking about the Supreme Court and one of the things that happened here. I have Matthew Cubiero. He's with Michelle and Associates. Uh, he's actual attorney, and, and he probably will represent me when I crash at high speeds. But anyway, um, <laughs> he's an attorney with Michelle and Associates. Second if he's smart, amendment. he'll pass on that one. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll refer you out to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I see how this is. Fine. I'm going to take my microphone and go home. All right. So here's here's what we have here. The Supreme Court just recently rejected a case that was brought up to it. And this had to do with Remington as a manufacturer of a firearm. Uh, Remington owns a brand called Bushmaster. So, Matthew, can you give us a little bit of background on this? Yeah. And so my understanding of of this lawsuit is essentially it's the families of the uh, of the Sandy Hook uh, incident are suing Bushmaster uh, for uh, the fact the simple fact that their firearm was used to commit the crime uh, and um, under federal law we have what's called the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act which essentially prohibits individuals from suing firearm manufacturers for the simple fact that an individual committed a criminal act with their firearm. And if you think about that from a logical perspective, that makes a lot of sense from, from, a, from a liability standpoint, not just as applied to firearms, but really sort of any um, products or you know cars, for example. Someone speeds in a vehicle, the, 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 the manufacturer of the vehicle is not going to get sued simply because the person was committing a criminal act in, in the vehicle that they own. And so um, what essentially happened here uh, was um, part of the lawsuit that was filed against Bushmaster Remington uh, was dismissed on the grounds that it violated the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act. However, the state that this lawsuit was filed in, in Connecticut, has a state law that allows liability for manufacturers based off of the manufacturer's advertising uh, of the firearm. And the state law, uh, the state law was upheld, and, and the case was allowed to proceed um, on that claim as it applied to the advertising of the manufacturer, in this case, Bushmaster. Um, and so that went all the way up to the state Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court said, yes, that lawsuit can proceed. Bushmaster recently petitioned the United States Supreme Court saying, hey, this is what's happening here in Connecticut. You guys should step in uh, and find that the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act applies. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court, as most of you know, uh, at this point, declined to take the case. And so that's essentially where we're at right now. And so what that means is that the case now goes back down to the state superior court, uh, the lower court, whatever that is, to hold a trial um, as to whether or not the advertising uh, by Bushmaster, uh, in this case, um, somehow contributed to or, um, as a result, Bushmaster is liable for damages because of the advertising uh, of its firearm that was used uh, in the in the criminal act. So okay. let's talk about this because the uh, we don't mention 
these people's names who commit these crimes because we deny them everything, including fame, right? So this, Good. um, my engineer left, so I'm actually use a cuss word. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> this lowest form of human debris committed this crime. He was what, 15, 16 years old? Something, I, I, that sounds about right. Uh, he yeah. was under age 18. So he could not have lawfully purchased a firearm. In fact, how did he get this? So he killed his mother and stole her firearm. That's how he... Now, is that what Bushmaster is advertising? Hey, kids, kill <laughs> your parents, steal their guns, and shoot up a school. You know, it's ridiculous because... This is a demented child who's possessed by some horrific things, and he created heinous acts, and uh, I hope he is in a very warm place right now, and I have no recourse for him at all. I, I feel terrible for the people who lost their children. That's absolutely the worst thing in the world, but the one who did it is the one who's responsible, and he committed a murder to acquire those firearms, so how the advertising of whatever it was could be responsible for that you know, again, here's the problem with our our, our legal system, and I'm going to tell you this since you're an attorney because you don't know. Facts don't always matter. It's the emotion of whoever's on the jury and the judge and what they allow. And if we could just crack that out of everything and just go with fact-based, objective stuff, man, we'd have a whole better system. Anyway, that's yeah. my two cents. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um the one thing that I, I, I do want to say, at least about this, and, and I kind of alluded to it uh, in, the, in the previous segment, is that you can't read too much into what the Supreme Court did here, uh, because, like I said, there's, there's a lot of potential reasons why they wouldn't have taken this case um, and at least uh, brought up the question of whether or not the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act applies here. Um, and, and so... Just because they decided not to take the case could be for various reasons. Either their docket is full, they're already deciding on other cases, they're not sure how particular justices would vote on the issue. There's a bunch of potential reasons why um, they wouldn't actually take this case that we can't, we will essentially will never know uh, with any sort of certainty why they voted the way that they did. That being said, of course, it is you know very concerning that. Um, they're, they're they're not willing to apply what should be a, a very common sense black letter law issue uh, to something here that shouldn't be brought in the first place because there is no plausible nexus that I see, as you pointed out, for someone stealing a firearm. How can the advertising somehow be responsible for that? And they're, they're just it's 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 not. And there, there's no way. To and murdering his mother. Right, exactly. And so it, it, it's, it remains to be seen what can happen, because who knows? The Supreme Court could also have, have thought, well, this is such a far-stretched theory that it's not going to go anywhere anyways in the state court. And so we could, like I said, this case now goes back to the state-level state, state level court. They'll hold the trial, and the trial finds for Bushmaster that they didn't, their advertising was in no way related to the incident. And that could very well happen here. We just don't know yet. Um, and so that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that still have to happen. But yes, it is concerning that the Supreme Court did not take this case. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's one of the things we're always looking at, folks. Is how do we fix this? How do we make sure that we have the right information? And you know, it's so important because 
we have an opportunity to have one more justice put on the Supreme Court. And so it's, you know, we look at Trump being impeached right now and these Adam Schiff, the pencil neck geek, uh, uh, it's just hard to even talk about that guy. Um, with all the lies he's done and the, the weird behavior that doesn't make any sense, just anything they can do to try and impeach Trump because they're playing for all the marbles. They know that if Ginsburg, which really somebody should go do a blood pressure check on her, but if Ginsburg doesn't make it through and he gets to appoint another one, we actually could have a super majority on the Supreme Court and get some laws passed and make them fix some things that have been broken for a very, very long time. So that's why you see all this big push for impeachment is they're trying to protect the Supreme Court uh, next picks. They want Trump out of there so they can have some wackadoodle like Pelosi or Schumer, you know, just pick. There's a whole train of them. Um, that's what they're that's what they're fighting for. And that's why they're fighting so hard and lying and cheating at every single turn, because that's, you know, the the end the revolution is the main thing it's the only thing it doesn't matter how they get there i mean they they could teach machiavelli a few things about ruthlessness because this is all they do is they will burn their own children to push their agenda one step further down the road and that's who we're fighting folks so again you know november 19th you're going to want to make sure that you head out there and check out at uh that's tuesday november 19th you're going to want to make sure you head out and check out calvary chapel chino hills 10 to 4 p.m and take a good look at this this is going to be fun political and cultural transformation boot camp you're going to want to be there and uh, that's at 310-212-5727 ask for todd for tickets Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. And to recall Gavin Newsom. That's what he should be saying, actually. That would be best. That's what's best in life. Recalling Gavin Newsom. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at FiringLineRadio.com, where we have our podcasts. This Tuesday, November 19th, go to the Political and Cultural Transformation Boot Camp. So here's the phone number again. 310-212-5727. Ask for Todd. Uh, Eventbrite has the tickets. Help us save California from Gavin Nuisance. 
Joining me back, I have Matthew Cubiero. Matthew is an attorney for Michelle and Associates, the NRA Second Amendment Attorneys. Hey, do you handle libel and two? Because, you know, sometimes I get a little excited. <laughs> well, like I said, I'd probably refer you out. Oh, so. great. He doesn't want anything to do with me. All right. <laughs> hey, folks, uh, we're going to save the best for last, the best being the most idiocy possible, and that's called California. Uh, we used to have a thing in Warner Brothers called Looney Tunes. Now we just call it excremento. So give us a rundown, if you will, what we're facing in California this year. So as most of your viewers probably know, Newsom pretty much signed everything that came before him as far as uh, firearm-related anti-gun bills this year. Uh, the biggest ones, uh, at least the ones that I think are among the most concerning, are the changes to California's gun violence restraining orders, uh, the sale of what are called what California is trying to call precursor parts, uh, CCW licensing application fees, as well as firearm transfer fees. Um, so in California, we have so well, let me back up first. So under federal law, any person who is subject to a domestic violence restraining order is prohibited from owning or possessing firearms for the duration of that order. California, of course, not being wanna want to be um, anything but less than federal law, has sort of taken that and applied it to all types of restraining orders, including civil harassment, elder abuse, um, any, any sort of protective order, basically, but also temporary orders. And so, in California, um, they've now created a system where you can. Uh, an individual uh, meeting certain criteria can petition for what's called a gun violence restraining order. And in other states, this is what's commonly known as a red flag law. And so you've been seeing probably a lot of discussion on that recently. But some of the biggest changes that has been happened to this as a result of some of the laws that Newsom has signed is that it, he's now made it so coworkers, employees, employers, and teachers of secondary or post-secondary schools can petition a court to have someone's Second Amendment rights taken away. Uh, and if you think about that from the perspective of California being what it is, I mean, I hope you guys work at, at, at businesses where your, your friends and coworkers are, are pro-Second Amendment because if they don't like you or they, don't, uh, they, they hear you talking about firearms, they might take adverse actions against you to have your Second Amendment rights taken yeah. away. Yeah, they're, unfortunately, they're a tree yeah. hugger and you come in talking about your deer hunt. Right, exactly. And the, the way the system has been set up in California for these types of protective orders, they are informal hearings. And so what that means is that typical protections, like for, for evidentiary protections, like things like hearsay, for example, are permitted as evidence in these cases. And so uh, of the cases that we've done, uh, where we've been defending against someone having a GBRO being, uh, a petition being issued against them, the, the courts will generally hear from all sorts of evidence that would otherwise be excluded in, for example, a criminal case where someone's rights are at stake. And so often always is the case whenever a petition like this is filed against someone, courts will issue the, issue the gun violence restraining order and take away a person's Second Amendment rights, often on very little, uh, very little evidentiary grounds. I can tell you about one case that we're dealing with recently where a neighbor was threatening and harassing our, our client and so in response to that, she put up security cameras just, to, just for protection. And she went into the court and argued that those security cameras constituted harassment, and the court issued a restraining order against her because she installed security cameras. That's how bad it is in California.
and that that that's why this these laws that Newsom have signed make this system so much worse than it already is, even to the point where the American Civil Liberties Union, which is no friend of the Second Amendment, particularly here in California, has opposed this expansion. And so we're waiting to see what's going to be happening with that, how that actually comes into play. But that's sort of the, one of the biggest concerns that I have here uh, moving forward, and that takes effect here um, September 1st, 2020. So um, besides that, though, California being what it is, there's plenty of other anti-gun bills that were signed in, into law this year. Let's go precursor um, parts. Precursor parts. So can you tell me what an unfinished receiver is? It's a six-pound block of aluminum. <laughs> Do you think that uh, the California Department of Justice, in being able to define what an unfinished frame of receiver is, is going to be able to adequately define it so that they know specifically what is required for a background check when purchasing these parts in California? No. what about other parts, like, um, say, on an <laughs> AR-15 platform, AR-10 platform, an upper receiver? Is that a right. precursor part? And that's what's not clear, at least under the current law, as it's been written. They, they're defining firearm precursor parts as an unfinished receiver. Whether or not that includes an upper receiver or a lower receiver or any parts attached to a receiver, it's, it, the DOJ has, has yet to enact regulations on this. The one thing I want to point out about this bill, this is the precursor parts bill, it's, it's AB number 879. For those of you that are familiar that's with... That's been passed, California, right? Yes, that, that's been enacted this year. For those of you that are familiar with California's ammunition sales restrictions, this is essentially that same language only now, as in addition to applying to ammunition sales, it applies to these firearm precursor parts. And so if you've had trouble purchasing ammunition, you're going to have the same troubles purchasing firearm precursor parts because the systems are going to be the exact same. And so we, we do have a lawsuit challenging the, uh, the ammunition sales restrictions, and it's being heard right now in San Diego from the same judge that issued the decision in the magazine ban case. And we have a preliminary injunction that's pending with him uh, right now, and we have actually a, a conference uh, with him tomorrow uh, to talk about the, the pending motion, and hopefully we'll have a decision on whether or not he issues an injunction here in the next couple weeks. We're just sort of waiting to see where that goes. But um, for the same reasons that he would enjoin the, the ammunition sales restrictions, there's a good chance that because the law is identical, it would equally apply to this bill, which is set to take effect at least be in full force in effect in July 1st, 2025. But in the meantime, yes, I think it's going to be a problem for DOJ just being able to accurately describe what a firearm precursor part is because you can't legally define a piece of metal and yep. prohibit its sale. Right. Matthew, here's the thing that one of the things, I, I shouldn't say the thing, one of the things that really chaps my lips when it comes to uh, California here is all these opportunities they have to write laws to stop violence, they fail. Not one thing that they pass did they say, look, if you use a firearm commission of a crime, you have a mandatory 20-year sentence. No. In fact, they took mandatory sentencing off if you use a firearm. Um, Gavin Newsom just let out, what was it, 21 murderers? These people hadn't even finished their jail term. He took the death penalty off the table. He's commuted all the death sentences. So what they're doing is they're saying, look, you can commit all the violent crime you want. We really aren't going to do anything. But boy, if you own a six-pound piece of aluminum, that's a precursor that could become something, and you are the felon. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's just some of these laws, it, it's, they're so focused. They on wonder being, why I drink. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's just California is so focused on undermining the gun culture in this state. It's not doing anything to actually address the real problems that are facing. No, it's creating them. It is creating confrontations. It's putting more, well, they put 45,000 felons on the street with early release. That's the population of a large city, a suburban city. Just imagine everybody in the city of Downey is a felon. That's what they just released. Imagine, though, if we had the resources that we're currently spending on enforcing California's unconstitutional gun laws, and instead those resources were diverted to something like, I don't know, preventing violent crime, you would see the violent crime rates in California go down because we dedicate so much resources that the California Department of Justice is so overburdened and so overworked on enforcing California's gun laws, which are arbitrary and capricious and have absolutely zero impact on criminal activities here in the state. They only affect law-abiding citizens. If if they were instead tasking those resources, those limited law enforcement resources, with actually trying to make a difference, you would actually see California be better off than what it is. But unfortunately, the politics being what they are, and the politicians wanting to be the most anti-gun you know, politician possible don't even care. So here's the thing. When, when something doesn't make sense, okay, because if you're thinking about it rightfully, logically, from point A to point B, if it doesn't make sense when it looks like what they're trying to accomplish, it's because they're not trying to accomplish lower gun violence. They want the opposite. They want to be able to blame the gun culture for the problems they're creating. It's It's horrific but that's who they are that's who gavin newsom is and he needs to be recalled folks i want to thank matthew cubiero uh michelle and associates thank you so much for your time we know thank you for all that you guys do thank you i appreciate it and if any of you guys are interested in learning more about california gun laws i'd encourage you to check out the book that we put out which is available on the crpa's website very good thanks guys have a great weekend shoot felipe shoot When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. CCW Safe. Cutting Edge Bullets. Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.